Stand by for the Terry Saul Show in five. Roll tape. Four. Cue Terry. Three. Bring audio up. Two. Stand by. One. Play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. Good morning and welcome to the weekend show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, Terry Saul, and I'm so glad that you joined us. Our guest today is my buddy, Captain Richard Chesborough from the Willamette Queen. The last time you were here a couple of months ago, we were talking about your trip around the world on the Moon Mist. This was a sailboat. Is that, what, is that what it's called? That's correct. Okay, yep. and you decided to take uh, the family and go for a... Well, you originally went to Hawaii, then you ended up going around the world, right? Correct. Yep. All right. So then you get back... What time? When did you get back? What year was it when you got back into town? Nineteen seventy-seven. Okay, and you 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 came back to where Sausalito? Uh, we came back to uh, no. Where did we come back to? These questions are going to get tougher as I go along, Richard. Well, we actually flew back because I had to sell the boat overseas due to my wife's sickness. You remember the illness? Right. Uh, right. Okay. So you so sold the you back. sold the boat someplace overseas, and then you flew back. Yeah. Right. Now, how long were you back here in town before you decided? To go out for another adventure. Yeah, because we, we flew back into the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. But it seemed like it was very shortly thereafter that we decided as a family, you know, we enjoyed being on a boat so much. Why don't we find another boat big enough for us to live on a little more comfortably? Okay. So we went to a much larger boat, which we found in Los Angeles. That was called the Lady Free? That was called the Lady Free. At, okay. at that time, it wasn't called the Lady Free. It was just called the Free, and we added the Lady to it. Okay. Uh, after we purchased it. and the How uh, big of a boat was it? It was a 102-footer, 160-ton. Uh, wow. And it was a, uh, a brigantine schooner. Okay. Where the first boat was a uh, catch. Okay. And I know that's a little technical for you, but a, a Not brigantine that technical. schooner. I can figure it out. Is a square rigger. It's got square sails on the forward mast, and it was gaff rigged, meaning that uh, the back mast was taller than the front mast. Okay. A catch is the other way around. The front mast is taller than the back mast. Okay. Just a, a different style of rigging. All right. But uh, so you found that down in the LA area. We found that in the in the LA area. It had been it had been brought over from uh, the Baltic Sea by the uh, current owners of the boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't know it at the time we bought it that the boat had been sunk in the Baltic. During Not the a good World. sign. Yeah, well, obviously we didn't suspect at all because <laughs> it was a wooden boat. It was immediately brought back up. No damage was done. They probably had to repower it with a new engine. Sure, uh, sure. And that was years before we purchased it. Okay. And uh, so when you when you're going down there and you and you're seeing this boat and 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 you and I'm assuming you were married at the time. I, oh yes. So you go you and, and wife number one go down there and you're looking at this boat. Now in the back of your mind, are you thinking, can this go around the world again? Are we feeling comfortable taking this thing around the world? That was not in the plans. What was the plan? The plans were as a liveaboard. Remember, I mentioned we were we were talking about because we had we had just finished this right. long trip. Right. So we were ready to settle down. We had to settle down, get jobs again, and. You know, get back financially on our feet. Right. And uh, so we were just looking for something we could live aboard because it was fun. Where were you going to live on it? In Sausalito? Sausalito. Okay. Right. Which is in the San Francisco Bay, across the Golden Gate Bridge and straight there. That's correct. Right That's there. correct. Okay. The cool thing was that the, uh, the the boat that we were looking at was was all wood. And there is a marina in San Francisco, in Sausalito, that will only allow wooden boats. No oh, okay. fiberglass, no steel, okay. no aluminum. 
only wooden boats. All right. So it was ideally suited for what we wanted to do. All right. So you pick up the boat, bring it back to, uh, I'm assuming you sailed it back to Sausalito. You're not going to get on I-5 and try and go that way. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So you, 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 you're now in Sausalito. How long were you in Sausalito before you get the wild hair saying, let's just go on another little trip? Well, actually, uh, let's see. It must have been... Three years, I, I guess we were in Sausalito. Okay, so you're there for a little bit of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, kids back in school. And uh, the kids are back in school. Okay. Interestingly well, enough, that was tricky because the kids were on the ocean with us for two and a half years prior to there. Right. So we didn't have any records of where they were schooled. I had to do a little dance and uh, song and dance for the school district uh, with their paperwork. and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I need to tell you that we have some officials out in the lobby oh, right okay, now that want to okay. talk to you about this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of them had handcuffs, so uh, oh. you're going to be talked to about that. Okay, but so you, you know, the best part was it was if they hadn't skipped a beat. Yeah. I mean, they, they probably didn't learned have to go so back much. a year. They, they learned a lot on, yeah. the, on the road, yeah. a, a lot of reading. Uh, on the road, on the sea. On the sea, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's move forward here for time-wise here. So okay. you decide you're going to go ahead and take another trip. At that point, did you decide it's going to be another round-the-world trip, or were you just going to try and say, well, let's just go up to a certain right. spot? Well, the, the first trip we took was in 1978. Okay. And that was a trip uh, from Sausalito to Hawaii, from Hawaii to uh, Canada up in uh, Vancouver. Okay. Uh, not not uh, not Vancouver, right, Washington, right, right. but Vancouver, BC. Okay. And this was uh, this was to commemorate the uh, uh, the uh, bicentennial. Was it? No. It was it was the uh, okay. Why am I bl- going blank on the name? Captain Cook bicentennial voyage. Okay. Right. Okay. Commemorating Captain Cook's uh, uh, trip, and this was part of the route that he he actually okay. went on, and it was a tall ships race. So uh, that. So meant- you were in a race. We were in a race. Oh, okay. And uh, there were 13 tall ships all told. We were the first tall ship ever allowed to race with the big boys that was privately owned. All right. So this was a first, and, and I was kind of excited about that, just being being that it was right. a first. So was it was it who was your crew? Was it just your family, or did you have to hire on some crew? No, we had we had to have 16 kids. Wow, teenagers. Between the ages of 14 and uh, 19. Uh, Why is that? Was that part of the rule that you had to have? Part of the requirements, right. Okay. The tall ships worldwide are owned by countries. Like, for example, the United States owns the uh, Eagle. Okay. Which was uh, acquired at the end of the Second World War. It was a German ship. Okay. But it's it's a huge sailing ship. It's a training ship for merchant marine cadets. Okay. And, uh, so you hired on these these young men and women? Well, we, did, we didn't Teenagers? hire them. Everything was volunteers. Okay, so you got, you got your crew together. We had, we had run an article in the paper, uh, which you have a copy of there, okay. that uh, informed the public in the San Francisco Bay Area that we were looking for crew members that would be interested in going on this adventure with us. All right, so did you get some to tough guys? We were, we were inundated with requests. I bet. So we sat down and interviewed well over 300 wow. teenagers in this category. My wife and I did. Yeah, there's the article over there on the okay. left page. The requirements we had and were required to have zero experience on the part of the kids. So in other words, these kids had never been on a sailing ship or, or had little or no experience on, okay. the, on any boat. Okay. And because uh, it had to be a training experience. 
And half were boys, half were girls. And we boiled that all the way down to 16, eight boys, eight girls okay. out of the 300 and some odd. Who did better? Who did better? Yeah. The girls by far. Seriously? The girls by far. The tough guys couldn't do it, huh? Tough guys couldn't do it. They were <laughs> The first time we got into a storm, I mean, the weather was hellacious, I, I will yeah. admit. Yeah. And But the boys just caved on us. They wouldn't stand their watches. They were seasick. Everybody was seasick. Right. The, the girls were just as seasick as they were, but not one, one of those girls would not stand stand their watch, which is a four-hour shift. Nice, nice. And uh, and one girl did almost all the cooking. Even my poor wife was sick as a dog. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one girl uh, kept everybody fed because, you know, when you're sailing out on the ocean, it's 24 hours a day, you know, right, the boat right. is going. But when you're as sick as a dog, you probably don't want to eat very much either. Uh, well, that's true because you're going to be getting rid yeah, of it yeah. real quickly, too. Yeah. But, Breakfast uh, overboard. When we finally got to Hawaii, uh, needless to say, we threw a big party on her behalf. Yeah, you know? nice. And uh, one of the boys, and I, uh, I won't mention his name because it's a very famous family. Okay. Uh, uh, was the worst. I mean, he just was, a, he wimped out on us. And his parents told us that they wanted to make a man out of him. And that was one of their motivations for having him on right, the boat. Right, He was not one of the kids that we had selected from our interviews. We were kind of saddled with him by sure, sure. Bay Area Marine Institute. Right. Because their parents were such big donators. Okay. And but he's the only one we put off the boat when we got to Hawaii. Really? When we how long, how long did it take you to get to Hawaii? Uh, about uh, 18, 19 days. Okay, so like he that. was probably sick day one. And it's like, dude, we got a long ways to go. No, nobody was sick day one. The weather was beautiful until we hit that storm. Yeah. And, but it was three days of 40-foot seas and 40-mile-an-hour oh. winds, and, I mean, it was, it was rough going. All right. So let's move along here then. Okay. Now you're, you're, you're up in Vancouver. Yeah, we and, went from Hawaii to— Okay, to so now you decide you want to take this round-the-world trip? No. All right. Um, I'm jumping too far ahead? You're jumping too far okay, ahead. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So uh, we finished the Tall Ships race, and by the way, we came in fourth— out of 13 tall ships, yeah. which absolutely delighted us. So on that race, Didn't you make can't the Coast Guard you... happy because they were one that lost to us. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're, and, and they're, they're they keeping They were really upset with They're us. keeping that in mind to this day. They're still remembering <laughs> that, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we remember you. We won't go there, but uh, this is good suspicion. So when, when you're having this race, you, have, you can only go by the sails. You, you can't use That's your correct. motor, correct? That's why the Coast Guard got disqualified. They used their motor. Absolutely. Uh, they didn't want to miss the parties. Sure. Know? And so, and, and a big steel boat like that, uh, even though it's got lots of sails, if the wind is very light, they're Nothing. not going anywhere. Yeah. You know? Wow. So that's what, that's what happened. All right. Okay, so we're back in Sausalito now, and we're, we're living on the boat. This took us to uh, divorce time. Okay. Uh, my wife and I separated. I ended up with the boat, and she ended up with the kids. And uh, uh, that was kind of the way that shook out. Okay, not necessarily <laughs> not, not a to my fair liking, trade, but... but uh... Yeah, and it was very amicable. Sure, and, sure. And uh, the, next, the next trip was me taking the boat uh, by myself, and uh, none of my kids were on board. And I put my own crew together, and I took off for uh, Panama Canal. From Sausalito? From Sausalito. Okay. Right. And I just wanted to put some distance between us. And, sure, uh, sure. I uh, was going to go to the Caribbean. We were going to put the boat up for charter in the Caribbean. And uh, that was the game plan. Unfortunately, we ran into a hurricane. I forget the name of it now. I want to say David. It might have been David. Anyways, big hurricane that was coming through, and we lost. Where were you at? 
At that point? Uh, we, we were uh, on the other side of the uh, Panama Canal, so we were in the Caribbean. Okay. And uh, we got uh, not dismasted, but one of our, our main sail, uh, the, uh, uh, the part that goes up in the air and, and holds the sail right. uh, diagonally, right. uh, snapped right in half. It just broke against the mast. From the hurricane? From the hurricane. From really? The yeah. Were you on and, board when that happened? Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. And uh, I, had a, I had a crew of, uh, oh, gee, there must have been about 12 other people with okay. on the boat. The interesting thing is that uh, every single one of them was from a different country. Yeah. Uh, there was only two of us from the United States, myself and my first mate, and the rest we had picked up along the way. One of the things I learned about Panama is that you, if you're hitchhiking around the world like a, some of these kids were, right. uh, you cannot get from Panama to South America uh, unless you go by either boat or airplane. Really? Uh, it's a huge jungle uh-huh. that exists uh, on that isthmus. That is just about impenetrable. Wow. And, uh, we gave rides to some of these kids just to take them around so that they could continue on their... Now, did you go through the Panama Canal at that point? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, was that your first trip through the Panama Canal? That was... Uh, yes. It was okay. my first trip because we didn't with the moon mist. No. All right. So, you're on the other side now. And we only have about a minute left to go in, in this particular segment there. So, first stop was the... Uh, the, uh, the There's a group of islands called the San Blas, just on the on the Caribbean side of the canal. Okay. Uh, I got some great stories about San Blas Islands, but they're the they're the home of the uh, Kuna Indians, which is the like the pygmies of uh, okay. Australia. Okay. Uh, very small people, but what a unique! Uh, it's a matriarchal society. The women run everything. The guys just fish and make babies. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> But we had such a great time. We spent probably a month there yeah. uh, just messing with these uh, Kuna Indians. And they make molas. I think I've shown you some right, molas right, I have yeah, at the house. Yeah. That's how the women uh, earn money uh, for surviving. And I got to drink uh, with the, uh, the, the the fathers or the, uh, the seniors of each yeah. of the islands. They all get together every once in a while and have a, a powwow. Fun. So how long were you there in that area? Uh, we were there probably a good month, month and a half, yeah. waiting waiting for uh, the hurricane to get by. Right. And uh, we hadn't sustained the damage yet from the uh, the hurricane. Yeah. Uh, that came right afterwards. And that ended up uh, blowing us into uh, Colombia, and I'm trying to think, uh, Cartagena. Cartagena, right. Colombia. We're going to stop here at that point. We need to take a break. Okay. We'll be back with more. Our guest is my buddy, Captain Richard Chesbro. We're talking about his adventure on the Lady Free around the world. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Hey, this is Terry Saul. Saltissimo. Are you in the market for a new car? Well, if so, I encourage you to do what I do. Head down to Lule's Car Connection. Lule's has been selling quality vehicles for over 30 years. Lule's brokers any new vehicle selling within dealer invoice. And check this out. Lule's has financing with most major lenders and credit unions. So do what I do. Stop by Lule's Car Connection located at 2055 Mission Street in Salem and tell them Saltissimo sent you. Lule's Car Connection. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. 
Welcome back to the weekend show. We're talking with my captain buddy, Richard Chesbro from the Willamette Queen. We're going to talk about the Willamette Queen here in a little bit. But first of all, you're now in uh, on the Lady Free, and you're in the Car- Caribbean? Caribbean. Okay. In the San Blas Islands. And you're just leaving there. Where'd you go? By the way, when we were leaving the San Blas Islands, the islanders absolutely loved us. You know, uh, all of us. We entertained them. Uh, we had a couple of people that were good singers and played uh, ukulele and guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as a going-away gift, they gave us a live baby tiger. And I'm talking wait a minute, about... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. A live baby tiger? A live on, baby on your, tiger. On your ship, as your a, boat. As a going-away gift. Why? Along with stick, big stocks of bananas and all kinds of things. They didn't know what to do with the baby tiger. So what are you going to do with it? I don't, so I tried <laughs> communicating with them, you know. And suddenly that's where the language barrier comes in. Yeah. Huh? No, no comprende. Yeah. You know? yeah. No mas, no mas. No. <laughs> so what did you do with it? So anyways, we thought, well, we'll just try to feed it and keep it alive until we get to wherever we, we You're go. on a boat. I know we're on a boat, yes. Was well, it, did it have free running of the boat? It was too young for that. It was, it was way too young to be separated from from its mother. So where was the and, mother? Well, what they had told me was that they found the baby out there abandoned by the mother. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. I think what they did is they probably shot the mother. Yeah. Mother was uh, dinner. Because these these islanders in San Blas Islands are are, uh, are wonderful people, but they can also be very vicious when they get into the jungle. Okay. Probably remember a guy by the name of Noriega? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard of Noriega? He tried to capture these uh these Indians, because the women always wore gold. They had beautiful gold necklaces. They had gold rings in their noses, really? in their ears. And the and uh, Noriega was convinced that they had gold mines on the on the isthmus. Remember, I told you how this isthmus is a jungle. Yeah. And Noriega sent troops in there to uh, find out where these uh, gold mines are. And I mean, he sent in like squadrons of of people. Nobody ever came out of the jungle. And that's because they met up with these San Blas Indians. Oops. And uh, and the United States actually came to their assistance one time when they asked for help against Noriega. Yeah. And the United States sent troops down there to help them out. And that's one of the reasons they loved us so much, because we were Americans. You know? Right. Anyways, I sidetrack a little bit, but... On one of those, and by, and by the way, they had no water on their islands. So the only way they got water, drinking water, was they had to uh, take a canoe over to the mainland from the islands, which are not that far away, and they would go up this river. I forget the name of the river, but they would go way upstream and get beautiful fresh water, and they'd put it in big buckets. And, the, and this is one of the things that the men did. Remember I told you it was a major... Boy, how often were they making that trip? A lot. I At bet. least once or twice a week, yeah. yeah. And they would bring water back to uh, to the islands. And there were actually quite a few people living on these islands. Okay. But the islands were only a foot above water level. I mean, they were really right there. And uh, I'm hoping they're all still there with global warming <laughs> and sea rising, you know. <laughs> a fascinating culture. They practice voodooism. And I got to sit in on some real voodoo stuff. Well, which, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we had a great time. Yeah. The only thing we didn't like is the fact that they kept whipping us at basketball all the time yeah. and volleyball. They were, they were little people, but, oh, my good, they were fast and they were That's good. That's funny. Yeah. So to get back to that tiger, what did you have doing? the tiger. It? Off we go, and we, we, we realize after we're underway, what the hell do you feed a tiger? You know, yeah. Of course, there was no Internet back in those days or whatever. So we decided, well, mother's milk would be the best. So we had, we had canned, you know, uh, what do they call that? Can milk, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, evaporated milk. That's yeah. what I was trying to think of, and so we diluted that. We tried that; it would spit it out. Didn't like it. 
And uh, everything we tried, the damn thing would not eat. And really? We, we had a little rubber rubber glove, and we yeah. cut a hole in the end and, and tried feeding it. So eventually it died. I mean, there was nothing we could do. If it's not going to eat, it's not going to survive. Right. And so we rolled it up in a mola and thought that would be fitting since it was a Panamanian. Right. And we did a burial at sea. Okay. And because uh, I, I don't know what I would have done with this baby tiger, uh, no matter where we went in, you know, right, they're right. Gonna, you know, they would take it away from us is what they would do. Sure. And put it in quarantine. That'd right. be the last All year right. to see it. So you, you buried it at sea. We buried it at sea. And then, then, and then we got into the hurricane and then we were dismasted or not dismasted, but we were crippled. So, so we decided it? there's no way of punching through to uh, further into the Caribbean. So we turned right and ended up in Cartagena. So when you when the hurricane hit, you heard your mask break. Was it just like a, a crashing sound? Was it where were you when it happened? Well, it was horrific. I was at the helm at the time, and I was asking my crew to to get the sails down. Okay. Well. In the case of square riggers, the sails don't go down; they actually go up because you have to rope them up to the to the spa that okay. goes across. Okay. And uh, if you ever you've seen Master and Commander or some of those types of movies, you could see the guys standing up in the rigging. Yeah. You never see the captain go up there, though. You never see. Well, this captain has been up there many times. Yeah. <laughs> and the trickiest part, of course, is you to get out on that spa, which is about the size of a small telephone pole. Okay. You know, going uh, diagonal. You have to stand on a rope, and you, you and that rope, of course, is moving back and forth. But you're holding on to the spar. You, you know, you're moving yourself out, and you're you're hauling this huge, heavy canvas up, and and then tying it. You got to tie it around the spar up there. But it's all got to be done by hand, hmm. and uh, it's scary because you're 85 feet in the air, and uh, you're looking at the deck down there. Which if you hit the deck, you're dead. Right. If you miss the deck, you're in the ocean, and you may or may not be pulled out. You know who knows. But wow. uh, uh, everybody made it. We did. We did fine. The trouble with the the one that snapped in half was that you couldn't climb out on it anymore because it was broken in half and it was swinging in the wind and it was banging against the main oh. mast and uh, the wind was still howling and so we ended up having to cut it loose and lower it lower it down and that was probably the most difficult thing so, I've ever done. with our final minute that we have here, how do you replace it? I mean, you're out in the middle of... of well, that's work. why we had to get to a port where there was some facilities. For another another pole that they can, that right. You can get. Right, right. Okay. So we didn't know ahead of time we, where we were going to go, and, but Cartagena was the closest port. And because it's a marine port, that's where the, uh, the Spanish used to you know, go in and out, bringing their gold uh, back in the uh, 1800s or 17, mm -hmm. whenever that, all that gold stuff was going on. So, but we figured they, they must have lots of boats there. They probably have uh, people that service them and work on them. And, Did uh, they? They did. Uh, yeah. It was it was a very unique order. You know, we need a spa that goes, you know, uh, horizontal, not vertical. You know, right. so so who uh, had to install it? You guys didn't install it. They they installed it. It was a both of us did. Okay, you know, our guys as well as uh, as them, and but it took uh, took months. Okay. All right, we need to take a short break. When we come back, more with today's special guest, my buddy Captain Richard Chesbro from the Willamette Queen. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stick around. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, 
Q-Terry. Two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. We're back. Captain Richard Chesbrill is talking to us, and we're uh, talking about you. You're on the Lady Free, and you're now in Cartagena. Did I say it right? You, you're perfect. There perfect. you go. Yep. All right. What are you doing hanging out great, there? Great town. Uh, we we loved it there. And uh, my Spanish is not that great, but I had a couple of people that spoke fluent Spanish on board. And uh, and it was amazing how many Cartagenians we met that also speak English. So it was uh, it was a comfortable place to be. Mm-hmm. And they were very helpful. They loved the boat because it reminded them of their history of the day when big square riggers used to come in there, you know, the Spanish uh, fleet and pirates. And, or, you know, Cartagena's got a, a sorty, uh, uh, sor- sorted, is that the word I'm looking for? Anyway, so got kind of an interesting uh, history there, both good and bad as far okay. as pirates go. Okay. And, of course, modern-day pirates still exist in that. <laughs> In part of the world as well. But at any rate, my phone is now ringing, and I apologize. It's, it's okay. We're only live on the radio. You just let your phone go ahead and ring, and uh, Barbara on. wants you to bring home a loaf of bread. Okay, so you're Sorry. in Cartagena there. And did you ever run into any pirates? Uh, we did. We did. Uh, Good or bad? Not not too bad. I mean, nothing that was really life-threatening. More thievery than anything else. Okay. Not so much on the, on the uh, Lady Free, because it was a much larger boat and a lot more people. On the moon miss is where we ran into them more yeah. than anything else. All right. So but I got to tell you a funny story right, that go happened ahead. in Cartagena. Hear. I had a parrot at that time, and uh, of course his name you was did. name was Panacho. Panacho. Panacho, okay. which means a cape of feathers. Okay. And he was a red a red parrot, it's main, mainly red, what they call a military. At any rate, I was walking on the beach one day with this parrot on my shoulder. My daughter Lori was uh, had joined me at this at this point because we were there in Cartagena for a while. So uh, she was walking with me on the beach, and we were approached by some people from Coca-Cola, and they had Coca-Cola logos on them. Okay. And they asked us if we would be willing to help with a commercial, a Coca-Cola commercial. I said, well, that might be kind of fun. Does it pay anything? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll pay you for it, you know. At the time, we didn't realize how little we were going to be paid. <laughs> At any rate, they told us to come to the main square in Cartagena, which is still there to this day. Barbara and I have been down to Cartagena since and looked at it. And it's got a beautiful big statue of a guy on a horse. And the interesting thing is there's like four roads that all come into this square from right. different directions. Right. When we got to the square that morning, uh, the following weekend or whatever it was, uh, we saw all the gear hooked up. I mean, they had cameras up on scaffolding, and the whole square was taken over by Coca-Cola. Right. And uh, they said, okay, now your job is going to be, you're going to be driving a Busetta. What is that? A Busetta is like a small bus. Very colorful. I mean, all kinds of wild colors all over. Okay. And a big roof rack that is loaded with fruit okay. and vegetables. I mean, I, I remember big stocks of bananas and all kinds of fruit up on the on the roof of this thing. So I said, okay, and, and so what am I supposed to do? Well, we're, we're going to have you back up this, this one road, which was on a little incline. 
I mean, it was a, not a hill, but you know, just a gradual incline. You're going to be uh, coming down the hill. And by the way, there's going to be a Marachi band in the back of the bus playing. <laughs> and it, it, it wasn't Marachi because uh, that's a lot of guitars. These things were all horns. Okay. I mean, all kinds of horns. You're coming down the hill, and there's going to be a uh, horse and buggy coming in from a different angle that you can't see because the statue is so big. You know, We're going to simulate that the two of you collide right there on the other side of the of the statue. And of course obviously that's you know just the way it's going to look. You're not going to really collide. The guy's going to jump off the uh, the horse and buggy and he's going to be really upset because you made his horse rear up and scared him and scared his passengers and he's going to come over and try to make a fight with you. Right. And then these two girls, one of which was going to be my daughter Lori, will come running out with Coca-Colas. Uh, to kind of calm everybody down. And everybody lives happily And everybody after. is smiling. And, and yeah. then he says, you're going to have to learn the jingle in Spanish of Coca-Cola jingle. Okay. And so I had to learn una sonrisa con Coca-Cola, una sonrisa with a smile. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was all, all good. And we had all day to do this thing. They said, okay, we're going to do a dress rehearsal first. And then we'll shoot after that. Unbeknownst to me, the dress rehearsal was not going to be a dress. That was going to be the final shoot. Oops. Yeah. And the reason why, as I learned real quickly, is when I got to the hill and they gave me the signal, okay, start on down. I started down and I touched the brake pedal and it went right to the floor. Boom. Uh Uh-oh. No brakes. Uh-oh. Never told me there was no brakes in this truck. And they knew that, huh? And they knew that ahead of time. <laughs> so here I am coming down, and I'm, and I'm, I mean, I'm scared. I mean, I got, first of all, I got this band in the truck yeah. behind me. Secondly, I'm heading for this statue, and I didn't want to crash into a historic statue. And then all of a sudden, I realized, oh, my God, and here's this horse and buggy coming right at me from the other side. And he's just jauntily you know, driving his horse and buggy. I figured, well, I'm not going to hit the horse, so I, I just steered for the buggy because there was no way I could stop the, right, the right. bus. Bam, I hit the front wheel. The horse went rearing in the air, which is exactly what they were looking for, you know, because the cameras were rolling. And the guy jumps off of the off the buggy, and now he is livid. And I mean, every swear word in Spanish you've ever heard was coming out of his mouth. He pulls me out of the bus, and I had my parrot on my shoulder, and the parrot is squawking and yelling. And the two girls get running up with the Coca-Colas. And, I mean, this guy was not going to calm down. So they had to cut this, the scene right there because there was no way a Coca-Cola or anything was going to calm right. this guy down. So the, the guy in charge of the whole thing came out and he said, okay, he says, we, we do, really do want to finish the scene, but you need to calm down, sir. And he's t- talking Spanish. And they promised him they're going to fix his buggy brand new. Oh, it was his personal buggy. It was his personal his personal buggy. Ouch. And that was his business. So at any rate, he calmed down, and we both took the Coca-Cola, and I could see he was still not really happy. But we drank our Coca-Cola and finished the scene. And the guy come up to us. He says, you know, that was so great, guys. He said... We're gonna we're gonna call that quits for the day. That's a take. <laughs> they knew all along, <laughs> and they gave us each three hundred bucks. That was it. That was dollars. Three hundred dollars. Yeah. And you know what? The interesting thing is that commercial, that particular commercial, was the most popular Coca Cola commercial ever done by Coke. Really? In all of South America. Yeah. And it played for like two years. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have video TV. of it at all? I do not, and I I've tried any number of times to get a copy of the of that video. Wow. But people recognized me on the street. In fact, uh, I, I went back 
God, I forget, you know, maybe a couple of years later, and and even at the airport, people would, oh, Coca-Cola. You know? Yeah, you're Coca-Cola man. Where's your parrot? <laughs> Where's your parrot? Yeah. <laughs> How funny. It was it was funny. Yeah. All right. So now, did you leave? Yes. The island. Now we now we left, heading uh, for the uh, Caribbean. Okay. And. Uh, Never made it. Unbeknownst to me, uh, the gal that uh, was back in uh, Sacramento that was one of our partners was supposed to be making the bank payments, you know, for the boat. Right. And she evidently missed a few payments and Uh-oh. didn't tell anybody. So now all of a sudden I'm in trouble with the uh, with the bank. Well, how did and you know that, though? You're thing, out in the middle of the ocean. How do you know you're uh, in trouble? No, no. I mean, this we found out before we left. Got it. And uh, I figured, screw it, I'm going to continue on anyway. Right. At any rate, they were following us. They, they were just flying ahead, knowing where we were going. And then the other thing I found out uh, is that because the boat was built in Denmark and not in the United States, we couldn't have gone into business in the uh, Caribbean islands anyways, hmm. simply because it's, it wouldn't be legal. You could not earn money on a foreign-built boat. Okay. It's called the Jones Act. Okay. It still exists to this day. We ended up in South Florida, and uh, I ended up having to sell the boat. So that was the end of our, of our cruising days. The boat went to uh, uh, the Miami Sea Aquarium where they used it as a training, you know, ship for cadets. And I was living in, uh, in Florida at the time. What the happened boat, with your crew? Well, everybody dispersed. I mean, they, okay. were, they were all young people, different lives. I mean, they every, everybody was gone. Lori flew back to California, so I was basically by myself in, in Florida. My son Mark came down and joined me, and we were working for a hotel down there, and mm-hmm. I was handling charter boats at the time. The sad part was I got word one day that the boat had sunk. What? Right, right there at the slip in the, at, at the Sea Aquarium. And it did. And the reason why it did is because they wouldn't maintain the hull. This was a wooden boat. Remember I told okay. you it was all wood. Right. And it was massive, but it was still wood. And they have what they call a Torito worm. What that is that? It lives in salt water. It's a termite in the water. Okay. And the termite loves to bore holes in wooden boats. And that's why you either put a, a copper shield over the hulls, which is what they did back in the old days, when copper was a whole lot less expensive. Right. Or you put copper-based paint. In other words, it's a heavy amount of copper in the paint. And that protects the hull from those Torita worms. Huh. They didn't do any of that. So the whole bottom of the boat was totally destroyed, or not totally, but uh, And then all of a sudden it. one day it just sank? It just sank right there at the dock. Wow. They were now, of course, the owners, and they decided they were just going to take it out and make a reef out of it. So they got permission from the Coast Guard as to where they could drop it in the, uh, the so, ocean. So they brought it back up. Brought it back up. Okay. Stripped it. All I, right. I ended up with some of the nice stuff. I got the wheel off of the boat. I yeah. got the, uh, some of the brass paraphernalia and right. whatever, the, and the, the the boards that have the starboard and the port lights on it. And at any rate, that's where it ended up. I didn't know exactly where it was until a, a scuba diving magazine came out with New new reef, a new uh, new wreck on a reef for diving, you know. Really? And yeah, they were going to make a a sea home for it, yeah. you know, for fish. That's what uh, that's what happened to it. All yeah. right, we need to take a uh, a short break. When we come back, our final segment with our today's guest has been my buddy Captain Richard Chesbrough from the Willamette Queen. We're going to talk about the Willamette Queen. It's up for sale, and we'll be chatting with him about that in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Weekend Show, one hundred four point three FM, twelve twenty AM. We are KSLM. Back in a little bit. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, 
Cue Terry. Two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We are back with our final few minutes. Today's guest is my buddy, Captain Richard Chesborough. From the Willamette Queen, we're talking about his trip on the Lady Free. The boat is now the bottom of the ocean someplace. Yep. Now it's, right. a, it's being lived in by fish. There you go. <laughs> right. And then you somehow made it back up here to Oregon. I did. Okay, where you married yep. your lovely bride, Barbara. You guys took the Willamette Queen. How long have you had the Willamette Queen? 25 years. Really? Yep. All right. And you've decided after 25 years, it's time to... You know, people don't realize, and I, and I, I do it because I, I know you so well, that running the Willamette Queen is not an easy task. <laughs> you, you're constantly... <laughs> Hauling stuff down, hauling stuff back, because you you know you you've said this many times. You don't have a refrigeration system down there that you can keep food stored in for weeks upon, like restaurants do. Correct. And, you oh know, yeah, we buy fresh for every uh, every cruise where we're serving food. And you also have to bring water on board and and take sewage off board and stuff. So you you yep. guys are con- and gas and the fuel, absolutely. So it's it's uh, it's not well, it's got easy. a five hundred gallon fuel tank. You no, know, that's a lot of fuel too. And, and you have to haul. Five-gallon jugs, jerry jugs, yep. Really? And that's because the fuel companies don't want to pump fuel over water. You know, the the fines for a spill in the Willamette River are so hellacious. Right. And, and the cleanup involved, they just don't even want the risk. Really? And uh, they don't mind spilling gasoline and diesel on, on land because that's <laughs> rel- <laughs> it's relatively easy to fix up. But if it's on a creek where the, that creek is going to flow into the river, then it's yeah. a much more major problem. And now, the last time that you went dry dock, you went across the river there. And I, I remember watching that, that your boat come out. And when yeah, you actually was- are standing next to that thing and it's out of the river it's pretty good sized little puppy there it is it's a good sized boat (laughs) it's much more uh, impressive we have people tell us that all the time just coming down to the dock because they've only seen the boat from the bridge you know before or driving across or whatever but it's uh it's now one of the things that you do on the willamette queen is that uh you perform weddings and some of the more spectacular and beautiful weddings i've ever seen you guys have done on the queen and one of the things you like to say is that you've married over 300 women 400 400 it's gone up since i talked to you apparently it has (laughs) but you actually can perform the ceremony because you are a ordained ordained minister there okay Kind of and like a judge, you know. I don't have a church or anything like that, but I, I'm licensed to you got perform the boat. weddings. Absolutely, yeah, you got the boat. Now, and, when you and perform- by the way, you can you can marry people as a captain, as a licensed captain, if you're on the ocean and you're okay. in international waters. Okay. However, it doesn't apply as soon as you're on a river or inland at all. Then you have to have the ord ord. Or, Ordination, they call it. Okay. Yep. You have all kinds of events coming up all the time. Um, next one come up is Mother's Day. You got a huge Mother's Day event. Yes, we do. And yes. uh, what's going on with Mother's, Mother's Day? Mother's Day is always a sold out event. Right. We're over half sold out already. So you better call. If, if anybody out there is interested in showing mom a real fun experience and a memorable experience, and by the way, we are now the only operating riverboat in the whole state of Oregon. Really. Yep. We used to have hundreds of those uh, river boats here in Oregon, and now we are the last remaining one. Not from the era of the 1800s, because our boat was built in 1990. Right. But, uh, but as far as an authentic paddle wheeler. The, last, the only other one was on the Columbia River, and that went out of business last October, I believe. Okay. So now we're it. So it's now, pretty unique. There's, you've told me before that there's a lot of, of uh, paddle wheel boats that have sunk 
over the last hundred or so years. All of them. Okay, in the river there. Yeah. Are they still there? They're still there. Really? In in the just in our area of the river, say between Newburgh and uh, and Eugene, okay. there's fifty five of them laying on the bottom somewhere. Wow! Can you see nine them? of them are right in Salem? Can you see them as you go over it at all? Or is it just the only you... one I've seen at all was down in uh, oh where was I? I forget the name of the little. It was in the Dayton, Dayton area. Okay. On a little tributary there. Yeah. So you can still see a, a chunk of it sticking out of the water. All the wood is usually gone. It's usually just pieces of the metal. Right. You know, the right. boilers or the engine or something. Wow. There's a guy in uh, that lives in Kaiser who has drug a lot of that stuff out of the river right near the Kaiser Rapids. Uh, the metal pieces, uh-huh. you know, chunks of engines and whatever. He's got them in his garage. And it's quite a collection. Amazing. But... Amazing. Yeah, the Willamette Queen has, has been a very successful business operation. We'd love to see it stay here in Salem. And we're trying to find a suitable couple like Barbara and I. It, 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 it's an ideal husband and wife business. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't even have to go up and down the river. It can be just a dock site. So you, you decided it's it's time. Uh, you've been running yep. it for several years, and you've been a captain for God only knows how many hundreds of years. years. Yeah. And so it's time that you want to enjoy some retirement time now. And so yeah, you and Barbara I, are looking to kind of just um, coming up on eighty three this year. And so, are you really? Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I, want, um, I want to let somebody else do the driving for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'll ride on a so, ship. So whoever does take it over, do they need to be a captain, or can they just hire out a captain? And, no. In fact, I'm not going anywhere. They can hire me if they need a captain to drive. Just the boat. can't get away from getting in that river, can you? Oh heck no! Yeah. Yeah. You just love hanging out there. Well, right. I've been around boats most of my life, you yeah. know, and all kinds of boats. You used to, every five years, you have to take it up to Portland for inspections and something, but you can't get up there anymore, right? No, no, the locks You can't jump on I-5 and just head north. No. Wouldn't that be a sight? The boat can be taken out of the water. We proved that when we hauled it out over across the river. Right. And one time was on a low boy. And, What's uh, a low boy? A low boy is a, is a large uh, trailer uh, that can carry a heavy piece of equipment. Okay. And it sits real low to the road. That's why they call it a low boy. Right. And so they can, you know, take large items under bridges and stuff like that. So you just so, drive the boat right up on the low boy and they kind of pull yeah, it up there? Yeah, they back and, it into the water and you just drive right up onto it. Yep. Now, when they do a dry dock inspection, what, what do they do? Are they just kind of walking around the bottom just to make sure everything's they're, okay? They're mainly and, looking for, for below, uh, below the water line, make sure that uh, everything is in good operating condition, uh, we only have one through hull. A through hull is an opening that goes between the inside of the boat and the outside of the boat. Okay. And ours is, is used for the water intake to keep the engine cool and to keep the uh, the hydraulic oil cool. All the other ones are above the water line for like water pumps and so forth to pump things out. Right. That engine on your boat is massive. Yeah, it's a big boy. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly a... <laughs> is. Yeah, and some some people don't know, and I've heard him ask you that on the the paddles at the the rear of the boat actually are what's powering that boat, right? Exactly. And you have you have side thrusters that will kind of push you side to side. Yes. But those those wheels both are the stern actually stern and the bow. We have thrusters okay. on both ends. But those wheels are actually what's moving the boat. That's is that correct. correct. Yeah, no propellers under the under the boat. It's all paddles. Wow. And it, I, and it's the only split paddle wheel boat. On the West Coast, and that means we have two separate controls. I can make one paddle go forward and the one next to it go in reverse, and we can spin the boat right on its length. Right on a dime. Yep. Wow. Makes it real nice, easy to come in and out of the dock. Sure. And, of course, the thrusters are wonderful, you know. Yeah. 
Now, when people get on the boat, we only have about a minute or so left to go here. Uh, when people get on the boat, bring your cameras. You always invite people, especially the children, up to the pilot house there to steer the boat. You bet. Uh, and toot they get the horn. a captain's license. And, and, and you, you fill out this really nice captain's license for them yep. that says, hey, thank you for steering the boat. And, and you know, it's, it's wonderful. So if people want some more information, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? What's the phone number? Well, the phone number is 503 371 1103. Okay. And that's the number to the Willamette Queen, Captain Richard and Barbara. And uh, come back and join us again. I always have fun talking with you. And okay. uh, My we, pleasure. Uh, hope to see you out on the river. All right. You're listening to 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. This has been The Weekend Show with our guest, Captain Richard Chesbrough. I'm Terry Saw. We'll be back and try to do this all over again next week. Stick around. We are just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at kslm.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.